If you've ever thought about launching a Kickstarter campaign and just are so overwhelmed, you don't know where to start, this is an episode that you're going to want to just save and keep playing on repeat because there's so many knowledge bombs in this episode. It is... It's amazing. It's a little bit longer than my normal episodes, but it is well worth the listen. Today, my guest is KJ Blattenbauer, and she is the founder of Pretty Pep Talks, the American-made letterpress magic that is coming to a mailbox near you. KJ and I are talking about all of the Kickstarter things that you need to know. The good, the bad, the ugly, the emotional roller coaster, the strategy, the goal setting, overachieving your goal. We talk about all of it. And by the way, if you're not intending to launch a Kickstarter campaign in the near future, this is still an amazing episode to listen to because there are so many entrepreneurial words of wisdom in this episode. I am just so floored for my friend KJ. You're listening to the Side Gig Central podcast, where we truly believe that your side gig has the power to change your life. My name is Elena Ciccatelli, and I'm a small business owner and side gig hustler just like you. I'm so excited to help you redefine what success looks like in today's gig economy. Listen in on honest conversations that I have with the experts and from hardworking side gig entrepreneurs just like you who are killing it with their side hustle. Learn the best strategies, tips, and tricks that have helped others pave their own way and craft their dream side gig. So if you're ready to get started, up your game and do the work, you're definitely in the right place. Let's get started. KJ Blattenbauer is on the show today and my heart is exploding with joy because you have just no clue my enduring love for this woman. KJ, how are you today? Welcome back to the show. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I need this every Monday morning. I think we should just set this up. It's the best way to start my day. I don't think anyone's ever greeted me with so much enthusiasm. Well, okay, it is it is my pleasure. And yes, we can set this up every Monday. But I am so excited. Not only am I just a, a huge fan of you as a person, but when I saw your Kickstarter campaign for your brand new company, which is called Pretty Pep Talks, which is stationary we will talk stationary a lot today on this episode i was so jazzed to see you execute this campaign on kickstarter in such a flawless way and we're going to get into the weeds a little bit about kickstarter because i know listeners are curious about how to even go about this monstrous thing called kickstarter or just raising money for five so KJ, I thank you for your time. This is going to be awesome. Okay, I'm great. I'm happy to be here. I don't know how much I can help because I knew nothing about Kickstarter before I started, but I can tell everyone what not to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, okay. So just to give the listeners a little bit of background information. So KJ, um, she launched a Kickstarter because it was her goal to raise enough money to, number one, get a printing press which she so lovingly calls curl and then the other the other part of it is right is for for operating right so tell us a little bit more about um how your love of stationery came about and um kind of more into the the goal setting portion of kickstarter 
Okay, sure. Um, so I have always been passionate about paper. I love office products, but I really love stationery. I am the type of person that no matter what day of the week it is, except Sunday, because the mail doesn't come on Sunday, I run to my mailbox. Like I greet my mailman at my mailbox because even if it's at this point in life, 98% bills in my mailbox, there's always a chance that you're going to get like a letter or a card or something fun from a friend. And I live for those moments of joy. Like there is nothing better than getting like pretty paper envelope, you know, seeing your best friend's handwriting, getting a message from someone you might not have heard or from in a while or just a card to let someone know that they're thinking about you. Nothing feels better than that. And I think in this day and age when so many people are run by how many likes they get on social media or the instant gratification or like how heartless a text or email can be, you can't save and cherish those. I remember when I was growing up, my grandma had a shoebox full of letters that my grandpa wrote her and they were just silly and like weird and who knows the contents made no sense to me but it was magical and she saved them for like decades and I just think that that's so cute like we all have the first well we probably don't still I don't know if I do but we all like have saved mementos from boys that we've dated or love notes or like things from friends or you want to remember those and it's not the same as a snapshot on your phone or that sort of thing. So I have always loved paper. My growing up, my mom was huge on Christmas cards and they might not have gotten out by Christmas. They were more like February cards as we got older as kids, but like it was a big deal and we all had matching outfits. And I'm telling you, I start planning my, my holiday card. It drives my husband crazy, but on our anniversary every year, we have a photo shoot because I am on my holiday cards are locked and loaded planned before July. We have a photo shoot. I have them ordered by September and those things are out first thing in the morning, the day after Thanksgiving, because I will be the first holiday card in my friend's fridge come hell or high water. Like I take it as a sport. If it was the Olympics, I would be a gold medalist and no one would mess with me. But I just really, I love paper because it's not even showing off my family or my friends or like what we have, or it's not even about that. It's just, I love you. You're on my Christmas list. I'm thinking about you. I want to see all the pictures of your friends and family and not in the weird, creepy Facebook way. Like I, I miss you. I want to hold a picture of your family in my hand. You know, you matter to me. It's my way of saying you matter. So that's a very long winded way of, I love paper. Oh my God. I am. Okay. I had to hit the mute button on that because I am like cracking up as you're telling this story but I love this so much and I think that's why also too like this story and your passion for paper just obviously just comes through in everything that you did and I think just to like transition this to Kickstarter a little bit that passion of you telling that story right there you were able to translate and I felt it I felt it because I was following your campaign you were able to translate that passion and that love for, for paper and stationery, which to some people could feel like a little bit like it's just paper. But you pulling that story and that emotion in was in every single part of your campaign. So again, that story was just like, oh, everything. Because now I think the listeners understand like why this was like so, so, so great and, and successful for you. So so pivoting into like goal setting, tell me about how that went and what was going through your head. Well, for me, the goal setting was a little bit, if I had done this maybe in 2019, the goal setting would have been dramatically different than doing it in 2021, because just like every other industry post COVID, um, the paper industry has been hit incredibly hard. There's a huge shortage of paper, which seems like the dumbest thing anyone could say in the 21st century, but 
there's so many weddings that were scheduled for 2020 got pushed and redone a million times in 2020. So used up a ton of paper and a ton of printers were so busy. And then they got rescheduled for 2021. Plus there were other 2021 weddings and there's people that have moved to 2022 and wedding planners, the wedding industry, they've never been busier, but they've also never been probably more tired. So it is a fight to do. Um, I'm very particular about the size of paper that I work with. So there's shortages of envelopes and you got to fight for it. And I'm very particular about the color. Like there are 14 different colors of white envelopes and I like mine bright white and so do a lot of brides. So it's kind of the supply chain was what I was worried about. So just like when gas prices rise or when people were gouging you for Lysol wipes or the sprays when COVID first started or the masks were all of a sudden not 99 cents, they were like $99 a mask. Um, paper has been a huge increase in things. So what I thought originally it was going to cost me to produce items in, in January, it was twice as expensive by the time I launched my Kickstarter in May. And so for me, the Kickstarter was, okay, I can go on forever part-timing my PR job, part-timing this, or I can get my shit together and I can put together this Kickstarter. I can set up not a begging people to help me start my business, but a pre-order style system. And I can get this baby launched and moving and rolling and get my spots with printers done, get all the supplies I need and set up the logistics. No problem. So that kind of helped with the planning. Yeah, exactly. So how did you come up with, did you already have an idea of the, like the dollar amount that you needed to, like you said, get this kick started? No pun intended. <laughs> no, I didn't. When I, I originally, I was opposed to a Kickstarter. Someone had suggested it to me earlier in the year and I was like, I'm not going to beg people to help me start my business. Like, that's not who I am. If I need money, I can ask my husband for a loan. He's real successful. And then I was like, I don't want to ask my husband for a loan. I want to do this myself. I want to have a group of supporters. I want this to be, it's a woman owned business that banks won't ever look at because they won't take it seriously. I know I'm gonna kick ass at this. I'm gonna do this myself. And I had seen a, a, a peer in the paper industry, they had done a Kickstarter to keep their shop open when their rent all of a sudden tripled on them and then paper, like the world was caving in. And I was like, I should watch this Kickstarter. And then I saw someone launch an Indiegogo for one of their films and I was like, hmm. And I just kept poking around because it had never, I contributed to a few Kickstarters, but it had never occurred to me like, oh, I could do this for myself. And so in looking at it, I thought, all right, Kickstarter is all or nothing funding, which I didn't know going in. And there are other platforms like Indiegogo. If um, you have a goal of $5,000 and you only raise 3,500, Indiegogo gives that to you. But with Kickstarter, they're all or nothing. So if your initial goal is 5,000, which mine was, and you only raise 4,000, Kickstarter's like, sorry, that's not enough to produce your product. We're not going to leave you in the lurch to fund the rest. We're going to give everyone their money back. Try again next year. Or I think they have a limit for when you can try again, but I hit my goal, so I don't really care. <laughs> um, but for me, I, I'm married to a guy in finance. I have to know my price per product of every part of everything I do or he will never let me hear the end of it. So I have spreadsheets upon spreadsheets. I knew I knew the I know the products I wanted to launch for this year. I know the one I think was going to be most appealing for people. We were in the point of coming out of COVID and lockdowns and not seeing our friends for forever and connecting with them with a pep talk or a nice card or telling them that you love them or think about them. To me that was a no-brainer. And that's what most people want to contribute to. So I had priced out those cards and then I knew right now I'm fighting for space with printers. 
I'm fighting with brides about getting in their rotation when I can find a printer who can help me. I'm fighting for supplies. If I could just, instead of waiting three weeks to get my time on a press to send out a product, which is way too long in this Amazon Prime on demand sort of world, if I had my own press, I could be out in my garage at 3 a.m. printing my little heart out. So the second thing I did is first I priced out what that initial product would be. And then I padded on an additional funding for there because I never do my numbers right, right? And if things increase again, plus shipping, thanks USPS, those forever stamps sure aren't staying the forever price. So you have to account for that. After I moved that way, I started to price out presses, which they don't make new presses anymore. Um, Pearl is actually 150 years old. So if something goes wrong with Pearl, we're going to have a problem. It's going to be expensive to fix, but they're... Um, she also weighs almost 800 pounds. So shipping Pearl, huge issue, um, very heavy, needs movers, all those costs. I priced out all of that. And then um, actually had found a bigger press, was really worried about where we were going to put it in our house. Because I'm, again, like Pearl is a small footprint press. She weighs almost 800 pounds. Most presses weigh about a ton. It's not like you're going to put that in the second floor of your living room. You know, like that might go in your garage, but you're probably going to have to rent a space. I'm a struggling new business. I, I can't afford to rent a space, even in this market where, you know, commercial real estate took a hit and there's probably tons available. It's still really expensive. So as luck would have it, someone else was going to buy Pearl. That sale fell through. I swooped in and grabbed her. And so now I can print anytime I want to if paper is available. And so I priced out what it was going to be for product, padded on there for all my mistakes and errors and other operational things that might fly my way. Um, and then I set a second stretch goal after my initial $5,000 goal to hit 10,000. And that was going to help me with shipping and moving Pearl, paying for Pearl, and then any other incidentals, because there were a lot of them when it came to moving a press, which is something best laid plans, everything will go awry. Yeah, I love, love, love that you were just so meticulous with this planning, because I think what as, uh, as people are starting to get their ideas moving because really this is what it is it's like you're having an you're you're in the idea phase but you're actually taking action on it which again shout out to all the side gig entrepreneurs out there who are taking action on their idea i think you putting all those moving pieces together and yes accounting for those times where you're like ah, i don't i don't know if this is you know right Price is going to go crazy or whatever. So yes, that is super important takeaway. My question to you is when you were going through this planning process, did you know ahead of time how the, the campaign on Kickstarter was going to go? Cause I know you'd mentioned about there is a, uh, I believe you said 30 day mm-hmm. campaign that needs to happen. So walking through like, what was your mindset like in the beginning? What was your mindset like at the end of it? I'm sure there's just like a roller coaster of emotions that are happening. So walk me through that. Yes, it is a roller coaster of emotions. I have launched books for myself, for friends, courses for myself, for friends, services, businesses. I have done all of those things. Kickstarter was by far the most I have ever planned and researched for anything. And it was also the most emotionally exhausting experience I've ever had. Because typically when you do a launch, you plan for like three or five or seven days. You might have a challenge or a masterclass. Kickstarter doesn't have any of those things. Like you hit launch on that thing and it needs to launch and you need to 
there's internal things you have to hit on Kickstarter. Like if you want to be a project they love, you have to be so funded by so many days and like the time's ticking. You can do a 15 day Kickstarter or you can do a 30 day Kickstarter, but you need to hit your initial funding goal or you're getting nothing. And the pressure is on like that clock ticks and days go by real fast or real slow, depending on where you are towards your goal for Kickstarter. Um, but there's also the realistic part of it that less than 30% of projects put up on Kickstarter ever hit their funding goal, no matter what their, whether their funding's 3000 or 300,000, like it's less than 30%. And that is not a percentage I felt comfortable with. So I, I dip my toe into Kickstarter. Like normally I'm like, how hard can this be? And I just go in full bore China in a, in a bowl, a bowl in a China shop, China in a bowl shop, bowl in a China shop. Like I'm just plowing on in there. It is pure calamity, like just disaster. Um, but with this one, I care so much about the stationary line and it's not just a hobby to me. It matters. It really, really matters to me how people receive it and how well it does because I'm tied into the emotional paper and sending love to people. And I think now more than ever, people need that love. Um, so for me, it was tons of research leading up to it. Okay. It was, is Kickstarter the right platform? Cause it's good for things like technology, but was it good for paper? So I researched things in my industry that were good and bad. I researched campaigns that I had supported or been a part of um, that were good and bad. I researched the ones that got funded right away and why they did. I researched ones that got 350% funded and how they did what they did. And then I looked at the timeline because to me, 15 days short and painless would have been great. I might not have hit my goal. 30, like 30 days is the best. They say, if you launch on a Monday or Tuesday, that's your best bet. If you read all the Kickstarter stuff, they tell you, you know, weekends are going to be real slow pay attention to them. But they also say like 30 days is the sweet spot for hitting your goals because the first they, they experts in Kickstarter and they're honest to God, right? The first one or two days, you're going to have the most people show up for you. If you've planned and prepared and made it worth their while to show up for you days, three and four are going to be good, but then you're hitting the weekend and the weekend's going to be slow and you're not going to hear anything because no one is really checking Kickstarter, but you religiously refreshing your page Saturday and Sunday, then you're in the second week. And they'll tell you that the second and third weeks of Kickstarter, it's going to be a lull, like no one cares, but you're still going to have to be out there pitching it every single day to remind people, Hey, this is my Kickstarter where still haven't hit our goal. Like, if you want me to stop talking, contribute the money, um, which I actually did towards the end because we were so close. And then the fourth week, things will pick up because you're ending, but it's also like the heat is on. You're going to be, plus Kickstarter has this really weird thing. So like I started my Kickstarter Monday morning at eight o'clock thinking then I would end it at the end of the 30th of the day, like I'd have a 5 p.m. I just, I didn't do my math right correctly. So mine ended on a Wednesday at like 6 a.m. So if I had been down to the wire, would have been up all night. No one's up all night. So you have to make sure that you're, what I, I didn't calculate in all my calculations, in all my planning, probably should have looked at the timing of my dates and starting. Um, I just had a, a an acquaintance. I want to call her a friend because I feel like we're friends, but I guess we're more like acquaintance. She launched her Kickstarter Sunday at 8 p.m. And in my head, I was like, that was stupid. That was really stupid. I would never do that because Sunday at 8 p.m., we're all checked out. We've got the Sunday scaries. We're focused on the week ahead. Monday morning, like Monday morning when we get into work and we don't want to be working, sure, I'll contribute to your Kickstarter. I don't want to be working. <laughs> but Sunday night, no thanks. No thanks at all. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. So, and I love how you laid that out. And for everybody that's listening or even thinking about doing, doing it because you're, what you're doing now is you're pre-selling. 
you are pre-selling. Mm -hmm. And I love also too the fact that you did it in this way because now you have fans of your brand. And I want to point this out though too, because this is a really important distinction that I want to make because we're always talking about um, you know, companies that have really strong brand presence, they have a really great story behind it, and that's how you get brand loyalty. Just the fact that you went through this process with Kickstarter, like mm -hmm. I know, yes, we are friends outside <laughs> outside of like pretty pep talk, but I know that I am I am a loyal customer for life now. And I imagine there are definitely backers mm -hmm. in your campaign who saw you go through this journey and they're like, I'm a loyal customer for life. So are you, are you starting to like, is that starting to dawn on you a little bit? Like, how are you feeling about that? You know, no, until you said that it hadn't even dawned on me at all. And now I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I did that. So I think part of it is when you're going, it, it is, it is a lot of work to set up a Kickstarter, right? Like there's this pressure to make this video, which you don't have to make this Academy award-winning video. I used, um, I used an app where it's really, you just do the voiceover talking and then you make the digital video because honestly, I was so exhausted from putting the Kickstarter together. I wasn't ready to have my face on camera and really to tell the story of what I was trying to do. My face didn't need to be there. Plus I didn't, I was pre-selling. So I didn't physically have the cards in hand. I was trying to get money for Pearl, so I couldn't really show them Pearl. So, but what I could do was use my words to tell the story, which is kind of all about paper anyway, and why you use paper. So I was, I was able to do that. And I think that was helpful, but you just go through so many emotions. And I think you have to be mentally prepared for that, right? You have to be, it's a ton of work to launch stuff, but the second that it's out there and people see it, you need them to show up and you need to keep showing up online and promoting it and being ready and having a whole plan for day one through 30, no matter where you're at. Um, like it's the highest high to launch something, but you know, I am a type A personality. I am an overachiever. I do not take no for an answer. I have very high expectations for myself and others. They are unrealistic. My timelines are unrealistic. I thought for sure I was going to like, oh, only 30% of Kickstarters get funded. Psh, I'm going to blow that out of the water. You know, like I thought I had all my people lined up. I thought everything was ready. I thought there was no way within 48 hours, I was not going to hit my initial goal. And I'm like, well, then I'll hit my initial goal in 48 hours. That'll boost me to the projects that Kickstarter loves. Then they'll promote me and more people will like my stuff. I'm going to be funded, no problem. I might as well hit, like set an initial goal, set my second first stretch goal, and then set a second stretch goal. Cause I'm going to knock this out of the park. Like it's not going to be hard. It is so hard. It is so hard to show up. And like people, you can explain Kickstarter to people. They can be experts in it. And they're, bless their heart. And like, I really mean bless their heart, not the FU way, but like the, I love my friends. They're amazing. There were so many friends who were like, oh, you mean I have to do it the first or second day? I wanted to swoop in at the end and be the last person. No, I don't want you to be the last person. I need you the first day. Like I need you. You really need to get your backers, just like a book pre-sale, how you want all your sales to hit that first day. So you make the New York times bestseller list, your Kickstarter, you want everyone to hit within the first 48 hours, because that it helps you with the algorithm for the Kickstarter people. It helps get you on their list for projects they love. They start sharing you in emails to folks. I mean, I have people who ordered 
I know no one that lives in Czechoslovakia. I probably couldn't even find it on a map if you asked me right now, because I'd have to think about it for a while. Because I don't even know the last time I looked at a world map, to be honest with you. But now I'm gonna after this, because I feel like an idiot. I sold so many pretty pep talk boxes to Czechoslovakia. And then they, after that, went to my website and bought so many of my already packaged note cards. I think I've sent like 20 brass note card holders to different people in Czechoslovakia. So shout out to Czechoslovakia because you're my biggest fans. Oh my God, that is amazing. <laughs> it really is. Like you're already global. Okay? I'm international. Look at yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is just keeps getting better and better. Oh my gosh. I am... Oh, I am just like in all of you, everything that you had just laid out there with not only just the strategy for Kickstarter, but just your perseverance and also too, yes, your mindset plays such a huge part of this because it's like whether or not you're doing a Kickstarter or you are putting your, your voice out there for the first time, you are starting a new project, a new chapter in your life, a new whatever fill in the blank thing it takes balls like it takes courage <laughs> to do what you did and I so admire I so admire like the thoughtfulness the process the planning but then also too the execution the ruthless execution <laughs> because you know what that's what it takes it you really does to be ruthless does. yes it also takes a village, right? I have an amazing group of backers that back me right away. I have amazing people that show up for me, whether it's a PR book or a PR service or my stationery. There are fantastic people who show up for me all the time. And it, or there are people who, if they don't know how to show up for me, ask. Or if they can't financially show up for me, will share everything. These people are fantastic, but I, I also probably need to send love to four particular people slash things because I wouldn't have made it through Kickstarter without them. The first is Google. If I wouldn't have done all, like I spent hours Googling Kickstarter, competitors at Kickstarter, Kickstarter versus Indiegogo, the, the process of Kickstarter, you know, best practices. There were so many people that even helped you with it that had gone before you that helps you with the templates for the updates or the templates for the emails or how to get people on your team ahead of time, all of that. So Google, and then everyone that went before me on Kickstarter that helped me with left the breadcrumb trail to tell me what to do for my campaign. Grateful. But then I also had two people in my camp um, the first, he deals with angel investors. He helps people find angel investors. I don't qualify for his services, but I'd like to do a shout out to Cole because he had to listen to me complain and bitch and also gave me guidance about what should be in my video and what I should include. And, you know, he really talked me through the pros cons of what I should set my limit for. So thank you, Cole, because you get nothing out of this, but our friendship means a lot to me. And then my other one was my girlfriend, Julie. She's also an entrepreneur who would never dream of doing a Kickstarter. But through the highs and lows and the emotional of, holy shit, I'm never going to get this all together. Am I an idiot for doing this Kickstarter? Should I do this Kickstarter? Holy shit, this launched. Oh my God, we did really good today. Holy cow, we, someone just paid $5,000 towards my Kickstarter to, oh my God, we're funded in 48 hours. Holy crap, we already hit our first and second goal by the first week. What are we going to do? You know, plus the crying when things were low and no one even came to my page for a day. I'd like to say thanks to my friend Julie for being my emotional support animal through Kickstarter. I need to send you cases of wine. 
<laughs> she was she was your ESA emotional yes. support. <laughs> but see, that's that's what and I love that you said it takes a village because it really does, because I think you're you are not only feeding off the energy of mm-hmm. what's happening in your campaign, but I think also too, you're what you had mentioned in the very beginning, like it takes a lot out of you. You need to have that endurance. Like you need to have that energy to like see it all the way through. It almost kind of reminds me of like, I never ran a marathon. Uh, I would, cause I would die, but it reminds me of like that marathon, like mm-hmm. just stay consistent, keep it. And you are the queen of consistency. I mean, holy mile. If you just follow KJ on Instagram, Every morning I log in, it's like, boom, post from KJ. I'm like, yeah, KJ is so consistent. It's like insane right now. Um, but I have to wrap up this talk because Zoom is probably going to stop recording. But I love this conversation. Everybody that's listening to this episode, number one, needs to go visit and check out prettypeptalks.com. KJ, tell the listeners what they should buy because they should absolutely buy from you. <laughs> Hey, I'm a big fan of our box note card sets. We have really cute flamingos and like fruity drinks and all these summer ones that are adorable, but very professional thank yous. And now is the best time to be sending notes to your clients, to your employers, to potentials, to people that you just love to show some gratitude because people will remember handwritten thank you notes. Plus I'm a sucker for monograms, but also if folks want help with Kickstarter or to pick my brain, kjblattenbauer.com and they can schedule some time. Yeah, highly recommend because KJ is just a force to be reckoned with, okay? You guys don't even know. Well, you do know now the power of KJ. <laughs> uh, it was just unleashed uh, to the to the world right now. Uh, KJ, I love you so much. And I love, love, love that you are doing this and that your your dream was realized. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of it because I'm just like, on the bleachers being like, yeah, go KJ, just like cheerleading squad for you. So I'm just, I'm just love you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for always being in my corner. I really appreciate it. You got it. Thanks so much for listening to the Side Gig Central podcast. You can dive into the show notes for this episode and for all past episodes at SideGeekCentral.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll talk to you very soon. And by the way, keep up that side hustle because it looks good on you.